Welcome to the podcast, everyone. Today we're in part two of our bike park series, and we're talking about gear such as helmets, you know, full face versus half shells, pads. We also talk about bikes that you need for a park, trail etiquette, bike suspension, and also the different trail matrixes that you can encounter at a bike park. Stick around and enjoy. Let us know what you think after the episode. And if you missed part one of the series, check out the link below where you can either listen on YouTube or any other place that you get your favorite podcast. Hello and welcome everyone to the Women's MTB Network podcast. I'm Mia and I'm going to be your host. Our podcasts are about sharing information on all things mountain bikes from a woman's perspective. We'll be talking about bikes, components, gear, upcoming events, coaching, and much, much more. Our goal is to connect women from across the globe and inspire folks to ride, regardless of age or skill level. We'll have guests from all over the world with all types of backgrounds and different riding styles. So get comfy and be inspired to ride. So for everyone listening and or watching, Today, we want to do the second part of the series that we are trying to launch out, not that we're trying, that we are launching, on how to bike park. I think that's the name we're going to come up with it. We'll see. If you haven't seen the first one, I'm going to put the link above. Go ahead and click on that before you watch this. In this one, we're hoping to cover, we are going to cover, I don't know why I keep saying that, um, gears for parks. So kind of like uh, the bike you would need, um, helmets, pads, all that goodies. And then we're going to venture down to how to bike park, you know, um, loading your bike onto shuttles and uh, trail progression matrices and features and things like that. So um, since I'm the newbie here and I'm the one asking you all the questions, I'm going to start with, uh, and whoever wants to start first, uh, I want to start with asking, Gear, what do I need? What do I need for a bike park? So, I mean... First time I ever went, I definitely wore a full face. Uh, I already owned one, but if I didn't own one, I see plenty of people that still go in half shells. Um, some parks, mm. some parks require a full face, so that's just something to look into in advance. And there's a million different full yep. faces on the market. Um, I started in a convertible full face where I could take the chin bar off. Ooh. So that was kind of like a big benefit to oh, I have a half shell or a full face. Um, so awesome. yeah, yeah, definitely also pads, uh, anything that honestly is going to give you a little bit more confidence is going to make for a better day at a park. Yeah. 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 I, I completely okay. agree with that pads for sure. Um, I had knee pads already from the trail systems that I rode. Um, I did not have elbow pads, so I didn't, I didn't bring elbow pads, but I went in just my half shell, um, my half lid. Ooh, okay. And because I, I didn't know how I was going to feel about it or, or if I was going to like it or not. And um, I didn't want to spend a bunch of money if I wasn't, you know, if I didn't know how much I was going to like it. So I didn't want to go yeah. and spend all this extra money on things, not really knowing what to expect. So I did go with just yeah. half lid um, and I felt fine in it. I really did. In fact, I think the, my first maybe two times at a bike park, I was in that. And it wasn't until I finally was like, okay, I really like this. I want to continue it that I bought another one. But I also started very, very easy on the trails. So I kind of knew my limit and knew that I wasn't going to do anything um, outside of my comfort zone. So if that meant getting off and walking a segment, then that's what I did because I knew that I wasn't wearing that full, whole, you know, get up of protection. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, but the great thing is a yeah. lot of parks, they do have the ability to rent a helmet or even rent pads and protection. So even if, you know, mm-hmm. you don't have any of that and you want to try what it feels like riding in a full face, because it is a big adjustment going from a half lid to a full face, yeah, it, it feels very, very different. And the fit is all different. That's like a whole other conversation. But um, yeah, I would definitely say when you yeah. when you know that you want to get to that point, make sure that you get either a good full face or have a very um, safe half lid and pads. Cool. Well, okay. So I've been to a bike park once, um, but it was more like an enduro park and people were telling me as well. Yes. It's like exactly what you guys said. Make sure you get a really good helmet or a a full face helmet, um, knee pads, elbow pads. I didn't see a lot of people using like chest protectors or neck braces, but that could have been because this park wasn't like super gnarly. Like it wasn't a ton of drops or features. Mm -hmm. Cause I know, um, that's usually preferred for people who want to do gnarly stuff we just actually released a today go check it up i'm going to put it up here a little uh video that we did on chest protectors for women so Mm -hmm. go check that out um but it is an option right i think both you wear not i think i know both you wear. we do yeah (laughs) (laughs) right does that help your confidence when you guys ride and all that padding it helps my confidence, but it also comes down to the park I'm riding at and kind of what my goal for the day is. Like, I, I have the Liat. I love it. It's super comfy. Um, I do wear it at really intense tech-oriented parks. Um, it, but mm-hmm. then, you know, I'll go to Jared's place, and I'll just want to have fun and not go crazy, and I won't wear it. Um, so for me, yeah. it kind of depends on, like, my goal for the day as well. And if you go to a park and you've never really been around a bunch of people who do downhill, you will see people in them, but that doesn't mean that they're like any better or worse than you or Mm -hmm. more confident or less confident than you. I think it's just something that naturally kind of progresses and eventually most people will get one because they do start doing harder trails. Cool. Yeah, I definitely agree. That was definitely one of my later purchases um, in terms of like what I bought as progressing. So I bought, I think, a full face first, and then I bought more um, more protective elbow pads and knee pads. So something that was beyond just what was going to protect me on the trail. I bought something that was more um, designed right. for safety at a park. And then the chest protector was a little mm-hmm. bit later. Um, and it was, honestly, it was after I witnessed people get pretty injured, um, even on non-crazy, like super over-the-top tech and stuff. I was like, wow, okay, you're going pretty fast. Yeah you know, once you start to build your confidence up and you're doing a little bit more and more, um, whether it's aggressive tech or bigger jumps, it can happen. I mean, we all kind of yeah. cra- crashing and falling as part of the sport and as part of learning and progressing. So once I found, once I found the right chest protector for me, which is all in that discussion on our chest protector post, um, yeah. I realized yep. that when I go to parks, I don't like riding without it. Even if I'm just doing a couple chill laps. Now these are full lift assist downhill parks right so even yeah yeah mm-hmm. even like my warm-up laps or, or just all of that I feel better wearing it I just feel more protected maybe it's just a safety blanket but I like it still I mean it's good you have that for sure um and just real quick before we move on I thought that I might want to give a little disclaimer that um we are not advising people to go out and do what we do. We are discussing what works for us. <laughs> right. I don't want anyone to be like, come back and be like, you guys told me to wear this and I bought all this, you know, no, have a good time. 
consult your bike park if you want, but this is just the opinion of the three of us. And this is our experience and, and the things that we've done. So with that said, um, I want to talk about the kind of bikes we see at parks and the kind of bikes that like me as a beginner would want, which I know is a loaded question, right? It's like, well, what do you mm -hmm. want to do at a park? Like, right. what do you want to ride at a park? It's just like when someone asks you, what kind of belt bike should I get? It's like such a loaded question. It really is. <laughs> so, okay. I'll use me as an example. So I know that this year I want to start doing, I want to progress my mountain biking to where I'm doing more steep and tech in the steep sections. And I want to learn how to do jumps. I don't want to do anything crazy and gnarly because I don't want to die, but I just want to do that. Now, I think I picked a good bike for me, but what would you guys recommend if that's, if someone came to you and, be, and told you exactly that? I mean, that's kind of where I started. Um, I've always been more jump oriented than tech oriented. Um, so when I started my very first park experience, I was on a stump jumper. Um, so it was, you know, not even an enduro bike necessarily. It was back when it's not the new stump jumper. Um, it was when it had 150 mil travel. Um, so it wasn't like a in one the front or the back? Uh, in the back. So it wasn't like a big, okay. you know, enduro bike. Um, but if you're really wanting to focus more on jumping, something like that would be totally fine. Um, I recently yeah. got a downhill bike because I am trying to do more of the really hard tech and I'm trying to push myself. Um, yeah. And, uh, fun fact, I was very concerned about my ability to jump on a downhill bike just cause I'm like five yeah. feet tall. I don't weigh a whole lot. Yeah. That bike is heavy. Downhill mm -hmm. bikes are so Dang. heavy. And I was they like, are. how am I going to yeah. get this thing through the air? But it that suspension does its job. It, it goes, it will, it will clear some jumps. <laughs> is it, um, and I'm so on a side question, note before, is that, I'm sorry, I don't mean to talk to me. Is that your downhill bike? And, and I'll specify my question here to people that aren't sure what I'm asking. Is it a, a full 29? Is it mullet? Is it 27.5? Because so downhill bikes, they make them in different wheel sizes, right? Mm -hmm. And traditionally for all of us that are on trail bikes or more trail oriented bikes, they're usually more commonly full 29s, right? Full 29 inch mm -hmm. wheels in the front and back. Mullets, which is 29, 27, five front and back is more common, but I know for downhill, it's every kind of combination of that. So which one of those wheel setups did you go with? I have a mullet. So 29 or front, 27 and a half rear. And my, I started with the stump jumper. Then I went to a Juliana Rubion, which had 150 or 160 mil travel. Um, and that was a great little park bike for me to start getting really comfortable on blue trails. I was venturing onto some black trails, but, uh, yeah, this thing, the 29 inch front wheel, it rolls through whatever chunk I am brave enough to put it through. <laughs> and then That's the smaller amazing. rear wheel keeps it nimble enough for somebody of my size to feel like I can still move it around. Yeah. And you're not going to get bugged off. What is the weight on that? Do you know? Ooh, it's like 40 pounds. Yeah, they're heavy. I've That's I, uh, the same as your hole in an e-bike, man. Well, a little under, but yeah, but it's it's heavy. I've been trapped under one before. <laughs> they're heavy to get <laughs> So, okay, uh, bike parts. So if you want to start off, progress with jumping, doing something a little bit more gnarly, recommendation would be something with 150 mil of travel in the rear or more. That being, um, well, I don't know, again, I, because for me, I, and mine was, a, my, my introduction to parks was a little bit different because I had just, most of the trails that I had ridden around here were a little bit more cross-country oriented. That's how I got my start was in, on a cross-country bike. It was a specialized epic. 
And I wound up getting this beautiful um, cross-country bike and then decided I wanted to try a bike park. So I took a cross-country bike with 80 mil travel in the rear. It was like 110, 120, 80. And I took that to the park. Don't do that at home, kids. No, I'm not. <laughs> please be clear. I'm not suggesting this, but I did this. I did this. You and survived I, and I, I was fine. I did great. And I learned a lot. Um, and then I, I went through this progression of realizing, wow, I love riding at parks. I understand this bike isn't going to cut it. So then I slowly wound up spending way too much money over the course of like three different bikes, wound up getting my long travel enduro bike, which is my favorite downhill park bike. It is so fun. It's so playful, but it took, it took a while. And, um, I had to learn the hard way with a lot of money and a lot of trial and error. Um, so I would suggest if you, if you think parks are something you want to explore more of, see if there's one that you can rent, see if your local shop is, is offering demos. I know that sometimes some big bike brands come into certain bike parks and will let you demo their bikes. And a transition did this recently yeah. on the East coast. Um, so there's, there's ways to kind of learn what you might like. And I didn't do any of that. I did it the hard way, the expensive way. Um, happy with where I wound up, learned a lot in the process, but it doesn't have to be like that. Yeah. Well, hopefully we're going to steer people in a different direction. Like you're saying, suggesting mm -hmm. to speak to other people, go to the park and suggest that then it isn't such a huge trial and error. And there's this stigma that women don't want to ask for um, questions because they don't want people to make, you know, they're going to look silly. And I have that. I never asked questions before because yep. I didn't want people to know. I didn't know what I was talking about. And I think there was a lot of how, I, I think it was a that. lot of what led ask me to, questions. to that. Yeah. And I, I made a lot of mistakes along the way that cost me a lot of money. Um, so definitely ask questions. Yeah. Here's so, resources available there because there's things out there. Definitely. Um, yeah. So just ask questions, make sure you know, ask anything you want out of the person at the bike park. Um, what kind of bike it is, what you can ride on, all that good stuff. Um, and I think, great, you brought this up earlier when we were talking. One of the key things to also look at is to be aware of your suspension setup. Mm -hmm. um, can you talk a little bit about what you had told me earlier regarding yeah. that? Yeah, I mean, when I first started riding, suspension, it's kind of a lot to comprehend when you're getting started, um, especially when you go up in bikes and you have more suspension and more travel and you can do more with it, you do have to make sure you set it up correctly. Um, so I always relied on my local bike shop to get me set up. Um, and you know, I watched a whole lot of YouTube videos to try to learn more about it on my own. Um, but, uh, yeah. I went to Rome Fest in Knoxville last year and it was so much fun. Uh, and I did a suspension clinic because I was like, oh, you know, like I had lost some weight. So I was like, well, I'll make sure that my suspension is still set up for my body weight. Um, and they were right. having a suspension focused clinic where they had professionals set your sag up, check it out. And then they had a little course that they set up where we rode, you know, laps with different suspension settings, mm -hmm. really hammered down like what different settings feel like. Um, and I there was probably like 30, 40 women in the clinic. And they started wow. talking about adjusting your rebound and women, like everybody was looking around, like, I don't know what that is. 
Um, most women didn't yeah. know that if you flip your bike upside down and look at the bottom of your fork, you should have a knob. Um, usually it has a rabbit on one side and a turtle on the other. And that yep. is how fast your suspension rebounds. And there was a lot of women that that just blew their mind. And they were like, oh my God, I've been yeah. riding on it, you know, at the one extreme or the other for years. And I just keep thinking my suspension feels so terrible. Um, and if, yeah. you, if that is something you're not familiar with, my what I have learned to do, if especially now that I just got a new bike, um, I count the it clicks when you mm-hmm. turn it. So I count the clicks and then I divide that in half and then I, you know, go to the middle setting. So whatever, it's like eight clicks yeah. from each side is roughly in the middle. Um, and it's going to be different for each, you know, fork, but I start yeah. the middle and then I slowly adjust and I might say, okay, I'm going to change it two clicks faster or two clicks slower and see how it feels, do a lap or two and kind of dial it in. Um, but that is something that you can't adjust. And a lot of people don't know that. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't know that up until like three years ago. And just recently, I think I was telling both you guys I had an issue with my rear shock and I thought it was user error. And I'm like embarrassed to go to the guys at the shop and be like, I think I did something wrong. You know what I mean? But turned out, thankfully, it wasn't the shock is faulty. But don't. I, that's another message I really wanted to get out is for women to not feel embarrassed about it. Because half the time, a lot of people don't know. It's not just mm-hmm. men or women. It's yeah. a lot of people don't really understand it. And you're spending so much money on a bike that you want it to work the best for you, regardless, you know? So I think, um, um, I'm think not sure I'm, if you've had to deal with that, Becca. Not, not as much myself, but it, it has for me been um, a learning process of what I prefer in terms of rebound, whether I want that my, my suspension to come back to me quickly, which I tend to not like. I tend to like a slower mm-hmm. rebound because it feels a little bit softer and more cushy for me. To me, a faster rebound feels more chattery, and I ride, I mean, East Coast is Pennsylvania is all rocks, and it's all just little, you know, heavy chatter, so I like a slower rebound. But one thing, I, I brought um, some friends to a bike park out here, and it was their first time riding this bike park, and Pennsylvania is known to be very, very rocky, very shale, like just not, not smooth, loam, flow kind of stuff. And um, one of them was a, a new rider um, and we did two runs down and she was miserable. She was like, I hate this place. I can't stand it. Oh my God, how do you ride here? Whatever. And I was really shocked because I was like, yeah, okay. I know that it's, you know, not for, for everyone. I wound up taking a look at her bike. She had both her front and rear shock locked out. And so I think it's important. Oh, no. <laughs> I think it's important to know that maybe she was cleaning it. Maybe she was getting it onto her bike rack. Maybe she was turning it upside down to change her pedals. I'm not sure. But your suspension, whether it's yeah. in the fork or the, the rear shock, a lot of them can lock out. And there's a dial in terms of either how much compression you're getting. So how much full squish you can yeah. get. And you can be yeah. stiffer or softer. So compression and rebound are both two very important components of it. And if you accidentally lock it down, right. she basically wrote a hardtail <laughs> two runs down in a bike park. So no wonder she was miserable. Yeah, no. But we fixed it, addressed uh, it, and she was good. She was good after that. That's good. That's good. Okay, so, so far we've covered, um, you know, you go into the bike park. Main things for you to have in terms of gear is definitely a helmet. If you can swing it, a full face helmet, um, knee pads for sure, as evidenced by the fact that I just bummed out my knee, not even going to a bike park and I should have been wearing pads, uh, elbows, 
pads as well, which is always handy. And um, uh, chest protectors if you're going to do something gnarly. And even neck braces if you're going to do something like really crazy, I would say. Like definitely protect your neck spine braces, and your neck. neck braces are a um, little bit polarizing of a conversation just depending on what kind of person that you're asking. And I'm not necessarily for or against it, so I'm not a proponent one way or the other. But there's a lot of different feedback on whether mm-hmm. – they cause more potential for injury versus not a lot of, there's there's a lot of conversation that they lead, they lead to um, a very high frequency of collarbone fractures, you know, but then the argument on the other side is I'd rather have a broken collarbone than a broken neck. So I'm not here to say one way or the other, but it's something to look into. It's something just to think about. Yeah. Maybe something we could discuss at another time. Cause I do have a friend of mine that wears a neck brace most of the time when she's racing and she had a gnarly collarbone fracture about a year ago, and she wasn't wearing her neck brace. And I think I remember go. her saying, I wish I was wearing my neck there brace so it could have protected my and, collarbone. And now I don't I, know. But yeah. again, it's something we can discuss at another thing. Gloves, too, though. I don't think we hit on gloves. I think gloves are also a big thing to wear yes. at parks. I know that not wearing gloves allows you, you know, better grip, better this. But if you crash without gloves, it does not feel good. <laughs> it does not feel good. <laughs> I mean, even long sleeves, I would say regardless, because mm-hmm. if you fall, you don't want to, you want to protect your arms. Mm-hmm. Even if you are wearing elbow pads, like some people go sleeveless, right? And they still wear elbow pads, but I you would really not, yourself. Yeah. I would cover yeah. as much skin yeah. as you can because any, you're, yeah. you're, you are literally using gravity. You're, you are fighting gravity from top to bottom. So you don't want to yeah. risk taking that crash, whether it's on rocks you know, loose rocks, whatever at that, at that speed. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of potential for damage and and pain. So I think covering is, you know, covering your skin is, is important. Yeah. And it does, people are always like, well, it's going to be so hot out, but you're at a park that has a lift, you know, we're talking about downhill parks. Mm -hmm. So you're not like doing climbing. You're going to be sitting on a lift for up to like 15, 20 minutes, depending on the park. So you're not just going to be yeah. really sweaty in pants and long sleeves the way you might if you were just riding your local trails. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, that One of the kind of really neat things that we were talking about offline that I want them to explain more to everyone, because this is new to me, is how to read trail progression matrices. Like that, I, I didn't even know if I was pronouncing that correctly, but <laughs> go ahead. Let us know what that is. Yeah, so I had never heard of that until I went to Whistler last year, Um, and apparently it's a thing at a lot of large bike parks, like not every bike park will have, you know, their trail maps kind of set up this way, but um, at Whistler, the way it worked is, you know, there's so many trails there, and so even if you know you're a solid blue rider, well, they might have 20 blue trails, how do you know which one you should start on, and which, you know, because they're not all the same, they're going to have different types of features, Um, so the way that they had it set up is they had a tech matrix and more of like a flow matrix. Um, so Mm -hmm. it was just out of all the trails, if you've never been there, like it's like your starting point, you start here on this green trail and then which order you should progress through all those green trails. And then when you finally get through all those green trails, what should be your first blue trail? Um, and it's Mm. just a really, it's a safe way to get people from one trail to another in a way that is really going to make the most sense as you're riding them and you're not going to be caught yeah. by anything. Mm-hmm. Does yeah, that definitely. happen where you're at, Becca? Do you have those too? 
We do. We, we do have those. Um, and every park is a little bit different. And I think what's important to, to always be aware of with parks is that every park has its own progression to that park. So a green or a blue at this park is only related to the green and the blues and that progression at that park. It's not designed to be comparable to, oh, well, I've ridden all the blues and greens and blacks at this park, so I'll be good here. No, you don't right. want to go in and assuming because you can hit all the blue and black or whatever at your local trail or you rode this shuttle trail or whatever, oh, then I'll be good. Yeah. I have made that, I have made that mistake and it is not a fun one. <laughs> it is not a fun one because I wound up crashing pretty well, pretty, pretty good crash and angrily hiking a bike down the rest of the mountain because I was like, this is not a blue to me. This is not blue to me. And <laughs> But there, comparatively speaking, that was a blue compared to their green to their pro line, which is like a red, black circle of death kind of thing. So it's it's important to yeah. be aware of what is the progression at that park. And if you're new, it doesn't matter how amazing of a rider you are. And this isn't meant to be like a, a reflection of your skill or this or that. Ride the green. Just ride the green. Ride the green. You're going to have fun. Yeah. You're going to have fun regardless. You're riding a bike. Yeah. Start on that, work your way up. Um, they, there are some, not every park that I'm aware of has this, but there are a lot of differences between tech and flow. Flow trails are mm. defined as man-made, machine-made trails. So something that a machine right. actually has to go in and kind of carve out berms, whether it's jumps, right, makes um, sense. Wooden, wooden features, things like that, versus tech, which is more predominantly um, just nature, <laughs> like just a trail just going through natural yeah. rocks or, or natural drops, things like that. And a lot mm -hmm. of times there's a difference of how those trails are displayed on the map. So tech is often like a triangle and flow is like a square or like a circle around it. But regardless of what it is, get familiar with what, what those are. So you don't accidentally wind up yeah. on something well, well outside your skill or comfort zone. Yeah, that's really good advice. That's really good advice. Don't do what other people do. Don't do what Becca did. No offense, Becca. Putting on the spot. Yeah, and, but also, but, but no, but seriously, but this is how I learned because I wasn't, you know, I was like, oh, well, I've, I've done, I've done all the, the this and I've ridden black at my local trail. No, it's not the same. And that's okay. That's okay. And it doesn't matter what anyone else says you can or can't do. It's what you are comfortable on. So just because it's exactly. easy to someone else and they're like, oh, I've ridden that. You got that. That's easy. That's great. But just kind of, Trust your own comfort level and trust your own instinct of what you feel like trying next. And don't just listen to the advice of someone that may or may not. But, be but, and that you hit a good point too. Like, I think it's always important to listen to those who you ride with often and that know your skill yes, level because there's different. a difference in that's writing. Different. There's a difference in writing with someone that's like, like you said, like barely knows you, right? Like you got this, you got this versus your riding buddy, your spouse, whoever that knows your capabilities and can say, no, I, you good. Everything is rollable yes. or, you know, just Very go slow or whatever. And yeah. another good thing. Yeah. And another really good thing is to, um, when I went to Sky Park and I was like really nervous, it's just to do a warm up trail, right? Just warm up a couple times on something you think is doable and then go from there. Do you guys do that when you go to parks often or do you just like hit your trail that you know? 
I always start on a green trail. I don't care what park I'm at. I mean, you don't get a climb. You don't get a flat trail to warm up and remember how to ride a bike. You know, my first my first time, every time when I go to a park, my first time down a trail, it's like, oh, this is how I ride a bike. This, I have to remember mm-hmm. like, you know, oh yeah, like I don't need to be too jerky on the brakes and like, just get comfortable um, because you don't get, you know, your heart rate doesn't get elevated. You're sitting on a lift or a shuttle and then you're just going in and dropping. So yeah, definitely do a chill warm up, check it out, check out, you know, the features, kind of get a lay of the land um, and then move up from there. That's, that's how I operate. Uh, green trail, always trail number one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Get yourself warmed up because while you're not, you know, you're not doing endurance level in terms of like pedaling and going on mountains. It's still like, it's amazing at how much riding downhill parks still takes out of you physically. Like you will ride and either Mm. take a break at part of the trail, which we can talk about in a second. You will, you know, either stop halfway down or all the way to the bottom and you're going to be breathing hard. And you're like, Oh my God. Yeah. I wasn't even pedaling. I'm exhausted. So it's important, I think, to still have that warm up. And the, the way that yeah. that's always listed at parks is pre-ride, re-ride, then free-ride. So have your little pre-ride, yeah. have your have your, your start of just a chill couple of laps, re-ride it, you know, and the same with the same with even like a, a, a trail that you want to try for the first time. Once you once you're a couple laps in, give that first trail just a, a very chill ride. Give it a very chill, yeah. just kind of a scouting ride. See how you feel on it. Yeah. Try it again. And then when you feel comfortable enough to either, you know, okay, I'm going to try to let off the brakes at this section, or I really think I'm ready to try this feature, then you can try it. But I think it's always important yeah. to have those kind of warm up laps before you're just ready mm-hmm. to let go full send. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to pre-ride, re-ride, free ride, I feel like so many people get so stoked that they're out of park and they just yes. want to go fast because it's oh it's yeah. easy to go fast and it's so much fun mm-hmm. but like that mindset of pre-ride re-ride free ride is so critical to having an overall good safe bike park experience like i mean for example this coming weekend i'm going to two parks for the first time that i've never been to i'm going to sugar on saturday mm-hmm. and i'm going to the brand new it opens on friday ober near gatlinburg um, which has yes. a ski lift. So I'm super excited, but oh, I heard about you better this believe okay. I, I will be pre-riding everything mm-hmm. and like rolling every feature my first time down and then slowly yeah. building up. And for me, free ride is like a full pull. Like I get more like in the race mindset, um, but you know, not everybody has to take it quite that seriously by any means. But yeah. it's, it's just, it, the whole mindset is just to get you safely you know, building speed, getting to do more features. Um, but definitely, yeah. definitely start out easy. Yeah. yeah I like absolutely. that. Pre-ride, re-ride, free-ride. I love that mm-hmm. very much. Um, so then I'm at the park, I have pre-ridden and I'm ready to ride. Um, but say I have a freak out on this trail, right? Like, even though it's a green trail for me, because as we say, the trail rating is very subjective to the person. Um, So how do I get my bike out of the way? And so people can pass safely, like, you know, because I get freaked out. What if the trail's like super narrow? What do you do? Do you just climb off to the side? Like, what what do you guys suggest? So at a downhill park, um, people are obviously going really, really fast. 
Um, if you're worried about other people trying to pass you on the trail, my personal setup that I do for myself is um, if there's people waiting around at the top that look like they're going to go on the trail I want to go on, I'll just let them go first. Um, you know, I'll just kind of yeah, hang out because I, I really don't like getting past. It makes me uncomfortable because I'm always nervous that I'm going to try to pull off and it's like downhill. So it's like hard to find somewhere to pull off and I have to find a place to yeah. pull off safely and I don't want to make the person behind me frustrated. So I usually just right. let everybody go and then I drop in mm-hmm. after most other people just because mm-hmm. I don't want to have to deal with it. <laughs> but when I do have to deal with it, uh, definitely try to find a safe place. That's the key. Um, and yeah. uh, thankfully at parks, a lot of them have a million intersections and areas where you can take a break and you can kind of regroup. But if it doesn't yeah. have that, just try to find the safest place for both of you. Um, and same mm-hmm. rules applies like cross country, you know, like on your left, on your right. Um, yeah. If, if I'm at yeah. a downhill park and I know someone's behind me, I will verbally say like, you know, you can pass on my right, like up ahead and I'll, you know, cause I'll be able to see like a spot coming up or something where I can pull off safely. Yeah. 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 Yeah, okay, absolutely. I, I, I really like that, that feedback of like, when you see some people that look like they're going to drop in either on the same trail you are, or they're kind of in that same area you are, and you're not sure. I always wait. I defer. I'm like, you guys go ahead. I'm just going to, I'm just going to wait. The way that etiquette is supposed to work at parks is that the slower rider always has the right of way. So it's always supposed to be to protect the slower riders. That is the way the etiquette is supposed to work. Meaning that no one is supposed to just be right behind someone, like kind of riding their tail, making them feel like, you know, it's an aggressive situation. However, Unfortunately, that's not always the case. Um, but yeah. that being said, you as a new rider, you you do have the right of way and you still have just as much of a right to be there as anyone else. I think what's important to be aware of is your surroundings. And should you need to pull off whatever the situation is, find a place that isn't immediately near a feature or right in the middle of a bunch of features. You don't kind of want to stop in the middle of some, you know, very... Um, fast flowing this or that where you have the potential of someone crashing into the back of you. So if you yeah, do need yeah. to stop, make sure you are clearing that trail as quickly as possible, meaning you're getting off to the side as, as quickly as possible. Um, mm-hmm. and, and yeah, just kind of being aware of your surroundings and most trails do have a lot of junctures because some mountains take longer to get down from top to bottom. Some are like right, a really right. long ride from top to bottom where it's good to stop and like catch your breath and just get your wits about you and like feel better about what you're doing. Others are quicker from top to bottom, but you definitely yeah. want to get your bike off that trail. If you need to stop for whatever the reason is you want to get it off the middle of that trail. Okay. Well, that's good to know, but it's also good to know about the trail etiquette. I almost feel like that in itself needs its own um, <laughs> podcast or a video episode for mm-hmm. a whole, all different um not levels. What am I trying to say? Disciplines of mountain biking, um, mm-hmm. for sure. Okay, so the trail etiquette is is really really important. That's really good to know. It makes me feel better to know that you know if I am the slower rider, technically I have the right of way. Obviously, I'm not gonna be rude or anything to anyone, but um, it makes me feel a little bit better that that's the case. All right, y'all. Thanks again for being part of this uh, when we're talking about gears for the bike park. So if anyone out there has any questions for um Brit and Becca just comment below 
Um, this has been really informative for me as well. And, and I think a lot of people don't realize that the safety that you need to really protect yourself at a park. You know, I, I know some people wear half shells, like Britt was saying, but definitely a full face is what I would 100% recommend people wear um, when they're out there. So, yeah, comment below. Let us know. What do you guys wear when you're at a bike park? Clothing, not clothing, gear. <laughs> and uh, maybe we'll do a clothing bike park and one at another time. <laughs> but um, thank you both for hanging out tonight and talking about this. I really appreciate it. And um, stick around for the next part that's going to be out in a week or so. Yeah. Awesome. Thank Thanks, Mia.